such a great honor and privilege for me to be with you this morning, to share the word this morning. I thank uh, Pastor, I thank Carlos for the opportunity always that he gives me uh, to share the word with the church this morning. You met, Many times you may not see me here in the English service, and I say it every time I can, it's because during this time of the day, I'm usually teaching the Sunday school class in Spanish which teaching for me is really my passion and uh, teaching the word in a systematic way is a blessing to my life. Um, so I'm blessed. I hope the students are blessed too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But today I have the great honor and privilege to share the word this morning, the word of God. And I'm so happy to be with each and every one of you. And let's um, take these moments right now and we're going to open up the scriptures. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And we are going to talk on the theme this morning, a new and living way in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And we're going to be reading from verses 19 to 25. And I'm going to encourage you, leave your Bible open, leave your app open, whatever it is that you're following. I'm going to encourage you to um, open up the scriptures and we're going to read it together you may remain seated, and then we're going to pray, but we read first in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your presence in this very moment, thanking you for your word, thanking you, Father God, for preparing the atmosphere, Lord God, this morning to receive this word. Father God, we pray that we not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, Father God. I pray that you speak to us, that in this morning, Lord God, I pray that faith arise, Lord God, that hope arise, that our faith be strengthened, Lord God, that we would receive the word and, and plan to apply the word for difference in our life difference in our walk as we pursue you father God with all our heart and with all our mind Lord God because your day is quickly approaching and we want to be found blameless and pure in your sight father thank you for your word that leads us and guides us and washes us and prepares us Lord God give us an obedient spirit this morning ears to hear and a heart to receive for your glory and for your honor and the church says amen praise the Lord 
So we're speaking on the theme, a new and living way, a new and living way. So the good news this morning, the good news that I have for each and every person that is a follower of Jesus Christ is that there is, God has provided for us a new and living way to live. I don't know how many think that's good news. Think about your life before Christ. Think about how you lived before Christ. We lived in darkness. We lived in deceptions. Lies were a part of our, our everyday norm. But once we came to Christ, he has prepared for us a new and living way. Think about your workplaces nowadays. As a believer, we go to work. We go to different situations where there are unbelievers. How's the atmosphere in those places? Sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's bleak. Many of you have come to tell me, oh my God, in my job, it's just draining. We have this person and that person. And many times, how do unbelievers speak? Complaining. Everything's negative. Everything's dark. Everything's wrong. Everything's bleak. Someone brings donuts for the office and you're like, oh, how kind you brought donuts. And somebody else and that negative person saying, my God, they're always looking for attention. <laughs> Can't you just say thank you? That's great, you know? Someone wants to do something kind and we default to, oh my God, who do they think they are? The person that doesn't know Christ. But for us, for those who are found in Christ, there is a new and living way. Our way is not, and this new and living way is not full of despair. It's not full of hatred. It's not full of darkness. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we can know God and allow Jesus Christ to lead us in this new and living way. And there are foundational scriptures that teach us how to do this. I love that the Bible does doesn't say, do this. It says, do this, and this is how you do it. Many people realize, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, but they're floundering because they don't know how. And the reason that we may not know how is because we're not taking time to study scripture. Because the Bible is very clear on how we should walk, how we should proceed, and what we should do. The problem is sometimes we hear it, and it's great, praise the Lord, but like pastor says, our Sunday doesn't change our Monday. So today as you hear the word, I pray that what you receive as you hear it, the Spirit puts it in your heart, and you're going to pick a few things that says, I'm going to work on this this week for the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. So I want to share on these verses and focus on what the Bible says about this new and living way. We have the verses there. Keep them open. A little background on these verses. The author of the book of Hebrews is writing this letter to Jewish converts. And these Jewish converts were very well versed in Old Testament. And they were going through hard times and they were being tempted to return to Judaism. They were being tempted even to Judaize the gospel. Some even suggested that these Jewish Christians may, been, may have been considering with merging with a Jewish sect. So the author of the book of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants to show them that um, Christ offers them a new and living way. There's no reason to turn around and go back to the old. 
So the book of Hebrews also can be considered and be called the book of better things. Because there's two words in the Greek for better and superior. And these two words occur 15 times in the letter. Letting them know Jesus offers a new, a living, a better, a superior way to live. Hallelujah. So the author of the book of Hebrews writes this epistle to show the people that he shows them using the Old Testament that Christ is superior to the prophets, superior to angels, superior to Moses and the priesthood that came after Moses. He says there can't be no turning back. Don't turn back. Don't look back to your old ways and your old rituals and your old ceremonies. Don't turn back to that old Jewish system because that system has been superseded by the priesthood of Christ. So now he's encouraging them to turn and look to him whose atoning death and resurrection opened the way to the true heavenly sanctuary of God's presence. The new and living way gives us access to the very presence of God. You and I. We don't have to go through the prophets. We don't have to go through rituals. We don't have to go through ceremonies. All we have to have is one thing, a contrite heart before the Lord. And we are ushered into the very throne room of God. I don't know if that's good news to you. It's good news to me. Praise the Lord. How many of you know we can't look back? We can't look back. We can't go back to how things were in the past. How many know that when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, all things are made new. He gives us a new way to think, a new way to live, a new perspective on life. Why were these group of people, why was this group of people tempted to look back? Why were they tempted to revert to their old ways? Perhaps because they were focusing on what was comfortable for them. Perhaps it was because you know that it's easier to live what you know. Perhaps they were tired of being criticized or judged by their people. We can't be too harsh on them. We can't be too harsh on them because sometimes I think that we're not so different from this original audience of this epistle. We too sometimes are tempted to look back. We too sometimes are tempted to fall back on what we know, on what is comfortable, to stay in our comfort zone, especially when we face trials and temptations and, crit and criticism of others. We are tempted maybe to go back to our doubtful ways, our fearful ways. Maybe we fall back on our anger. Maybe we fall back on our, our worry that just eats us up inside, our anxiety. We fall back on criticism. They criticize me all my life, and when things get tough, what do I start doing? Criticizing everybody. That's falling back on our own ways. When life gets tough, we default to what we always knew. We default to what is easier for you and for me. But the good news of Jesus Christ is this. There is a better way. There is a superior way to live. That doesn't mean I'm better or superior. It means the walk I'm walking is better and superior. Praise the Lord. 
And life with Jesus supersedes anything and any way and anything this world has to offer. So in the Old Testament, we read of the most holy place in the tabernacle, right? The most holy place was separated from the other areas of the tabernacle with a veil that was made from one whole piece. And tradition says that the veil was about a thickness, um, was a thickness, the thickness of a hand at that time. We don't know if it was or if it wasn't because that would be a pretty thick veil, but we do know that it was beautifully patterned and created according to a divine pattern, right? And it, But the purpose of the veil was to do what? Keep out. It told man that he could not freely approach God. Nobody but the high priest, once a year, very well prepared, was allowed to enter into the most holy place. As a matter of fact, the priest, boy, he better make sure he was right with God. They would put bells at the bottom of his robes and they would tie a rope around his waist because as he entered the most holy and everybody was outside waiting, they heard those bells ringing and they were like, all right, he's good, he's good, he's good. The minute those bells stopped ringing means he stopped walking, means he was dead and they were pulling that rope, getting that body out of the, of the most holy place you say dag that's rough the lord doesn't play when it comes to obedience obedience is primary for the lord hallelujah but the most holy place had this veil that separated God from man. In the New Testament now, to teach and remind and encourage the readers past and present, the author of Hebrews now explains the passage that we read. Please look at your Bible. What does it say? It says we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Matthew 27, 50 and 51 say this, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he was on the cross, he gave up his spirit, and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Like that curtain, his body was torn open to make a way for us into the divine presence of God. A new and living way has been made for us. There is no longer separation from God, but there is invitation from God to enter into the most holy place. Hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price for us. That's what his overwhelming love is. That's why he doesn't give us his heart in pieces. That's why he doesn't hide to tease us. No, his body was torn in two. His body was ripped open to make that way for you and I to enter into the very presence of God the Father. Hallelujah. There's no longer separation, but invitation. Jesus paid the price. And not only, I love that it says not only to enter. I love that it says to enter, how? With confidence. With confidence. That Old Testament high priest, well, he better have been confident, right? We can enter with confidence to have relationship and not religion. 
Hallelujah. The writer says, since this is in place, since we have access to God, since we can enter his presence freely, he exhorts us to five statements. And in my Bible, it's let us. So I call it the five let us statements. In your version, you may not see the word let us five times, but in your Bible, you will see where um, these ideas fit in the scripture. Why these five exhortations fit in the passage. We could go to the next slide. The five exhortations. It says in this passage, let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together and let us encourage one another. Why can we do this? Because now we have access. We have a way, a road to the very presence of God. Hallelujah. So look at verse 22 in your Bible where it says, it begins, let us draw near to God. And I love that it encourages us to let us draw near to God, but it doesn't stop there. It tells us how we need to draw near to God. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. It tells us how to do it. It says, with a sincere heart, full with assurance of faith, with hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. How do we draw near to God? Number one, with the, uh, the first part of that is with a sincere heart, an honest heart. An honest heart that is in pursuit of him, that is in pursuit of God, with, that has an interest in coming to the presence of God simply to know him, not just for gain. Simply to spend time with him. Simply to dwell in his presence. Not so much because God, as a 911, I need you now. There's a place and time for that. God gives us place and time for 911s. God, right now I need this. But this is not what this is talking about. When we approach him with a sincere heart, acknowledging him as the Lord of our lives, acknowledging him, not my will, Father but yours be done. Not approaching God's presence with our own agenda. Father, this is an update. Did you receive the memo? I need this, this, this. I want this, this, this. And if you can do it this way, to God be the glory. <laughs> not. <laughs> when we enter, not with our agenda, but when we simply render it all to him. Lord, you know my needs, and I know your ways are higher than my ways. And I know that you are good, no matter what whether it's my agenda whether i think i know best no god is good always if you believe in your heart that god is good always in face of good and in the face of bad you will not be shaken hallelujah so how do we draw near with a sincere heart what does it say how do we draw near with full assurance and faith in knowing and being convinced that he hears and that he is able. How do you get to that place where you're convinced? Because some people be like, Pastor Becky, that sounds great. But how do I get there? Listen, it's by going through life. It's by living each day. It's by living the good and the bad, the highs and the low. It's allowing him to show us he is trustworthy. 
Some of us have a petition on Sunday morning, and if it's not answered by noon Monday, we're like, oh, the Lord doesn't love me. Where is he? He hasn't answered my petition. What is going on here? I didn't pray fast enough. You know what? I'm going to call the pastor. He'll pray. He'll get through better than I can get through. No. Give God a chance to show you that he is trustworthy. And he will show you, praise the Lord. How can we join into God with full assurance and faith? I love the story of Peter. Peter wrote first of Peter 4, 8. And here he writes, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. How come, how could Peter have written this? Because this was the same Peter that was reinstated and accepted by the resurrected Christ and forgiven after he betrayed and denied him. Peter knew all about love that covers a multitude of sin. And he wrote this and he followed Christ and he was a disciple of Christ because of his full assurance of faith. Let us have that full assurance of faith. How do we draw near to God? The first, let us draw near to God. We draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith. And then it says, with heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And you say, what does this mean? Remember, he's talking to people who know the Old Testament, right? This was meaningful to them. So this heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience is freedom. He gives us freedom from guilt. Freedom based on the sacrifice of Christ. Because his body was torn. His blood was shed. My sins can be forgiven. I have freedom to cleanse my mind, my guilty conscience. Because when we feel guilty, we, don't, we can't have close relationship with someone who offends us. And we have that barrier. We have that thing that stops us because we have this, this guilt that's a wall. When we are guilty, we cannot have that intimate relationship. There is no oneness. But because of Christ's perfect sacrifice, we can cleanse our guilty conscience when we repent and ask for forgiveness. Hallelujah. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption they came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. So how do we draw near to God? With a sincere heart, full of faith, asking to be forgiven and re repenting and asking for forgiveness and the last thing that verse says verse 22 having our bodies washed with pure water now in the old testament sprinkled with water was a ritual act of cleansing right it was a symbol for inner cleansing but they did it with this outer ritual and the priests practiced it in the old testament ezekiel 36 says this he explains this cleansing and it said, and we will see that only God can truly cleanse us. I will sprinkle, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He cleanses us. He cleanses us. So he's talking to these people who know the Old Testament and says, only God can truly cleanse you. It's not an outward ceremony, but he'll take that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, a heart ready to receive him. Hallelujah. How do we, let us draw near to God. 
how it tells us in the verses. If you're feeling far from God this morning, or you may feel unworthy to enter into his presence with confidence, know that you can take these steps. Know that you can just live in these verses and you can work here and you can present them before the Lord to draw near to him with a sincere heart and full of assurance of faith, cleansed from a guilty conscience, bodies washed with pure water, and he gives a new heart and you spirit draw near to God let us draw near to God the second let us the second statement or declaration is this it says since we have confidence the verses before I'm going to say it a lot you're probably going to memorize it since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of God what does he say let us what draw near to God and let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful it says hold on unswervingly hold fast hold firm cling tightly to that hope hope is not a wish is the confident expectation of what God has promised and it shall come to pass because why not because I deserve it, not because I'm so good, not because I work so hard. No, simply because he is faithful. Too many people are tempted to give up when things don't seem like it's going their way. Or in the midst of tribulation, or in the midst of heartbreak, or in the midst of trials. Too many people are tempted to give up. And you say, but Pastor Becky, you don't know the heartbreak in my life. I may not know, but God knows. He's been there. He says, you don't know. We may be even looking at sickness and death. God is there too. Many people are tempted to walk away because they're not holding on unswervingly to the hope that we process. This is not just from the lips forward. And if you want to know if you're going to hold on unswervingly, there's going to be a trial coming our way, a temptation coming our way. And when that happens, don't be like, oh, well, it's me. I want you to be like, okay, God, I'm going to hold on unswervingly. I'm going to hold on unswervingly. Have you ever been in the ocean and those waters are tossing and you maybe have a life jacket or a, a float or a lifesaver? Man, you're holding on to that plastic thing like, like there's no time. I'm going to hold on. That's, I've got to hold on. Hold on unswervingly. Listen. We have to take our cue from people in scripture. Daniel in the lion's den, he held on to, to hope. Ruth the Moabite left her people and believed in the God of the Israelites. David against Goliath believed God for victory. Peter trusted Jesus and got out of that boat. What was the result of them holding on unswervingly to their faith? The results were that the mouths of the lions were closed. The giant was beheaded. Peter walked on water. And Ruth was counted among the lineage of Christ. Why? They, hold, they held on. Hold on. And you're going to see great and mighty works in your life. Is it easy? No. Will you cry? Yes. <laughs> Hold on. Doesn't matter. Hold on. If I got to get there crying, crawling, with tears stained, it's all right. Because I'm going to hold 
worthy. It's worth every tear. It's worth every heartbreak. It's worth every pain. Hold on unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Because he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. To see the greater works of God. People say, man, I never see God moving in my life. Why is this person testifying to have this testimony? They're witnessing over here. I never see. But ask you, am I holding on unswervingly? It's not God's fault. Like Pastor was saying, his love is always there, complete, full right now. We got to hold on unswervingly. Praise the Lord. Psalms 33, 4 says, for the Lord, the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. In the midst of the storms of life, what is my hope? What is your hope? We got to know he's faithful. We got to know he keeps his promises. We got to know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised it. We got to know that he is good even though when we face the bad. We got to know that he will be with me until the very end of the age. He will keep me in perfect peace because we trust in him. He will strengthen and protect us from the evil one. Victory is ours in this side of eternity and the life to come. Why? Because Jesus never fails Jesus never fails but we got to hold on unswervingly praise the Lord so points one and two that we've covered let us draw near to God let us hold on and it deals with our relationship with God now points three to five deals with our relationship with others you got to know that when God works in your life is not only just for you Never. God never does anything just for me. I benefit from his blessings. I benefit from his touch. But there's a whole host of people around us. None of us is an island. None of us is an island. There's people around us. And people that we may not even realize. They're watching. They're looking. And it is for their benefit as well. So one and two, our relationship with Christ. Look at the next let us statements. Three to five. It deals with our relationship with others. Number three says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's be intentional on helping others towards love love and good deeds how do we do this how can we spur one another on we can be peacemakers we can promote unity we can encourage reconciliation and forgiveness that should be our mo as christians anybody who sows division Anybody who sows words of hate, anybody who curses and not blesses, you're not of God. Let me tell you, I don't care how many Sundays you come to church or how much you give in your offerings. No, I'm sorry. This is what the Bible says. We need to spur each other on. You need to find friends. You need to find people around you that is going to spur you on towards love and good deeds hallelujah be a peacemaker is not someone who avoids conflict at all costs but it's someone who seeks to be peaceable to pronounce the gospel of peace to listen and and listen first and seek to understand let's be peacemakers becky you don't know what so and so did to me say let's try and get the other side of the story you know there's always two sides to a story right Let's not jump on, what? They did that to you? Oh no, honey. If they did that to me, I would do this, 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 and that. Ain't nobody going to treat me this way because I'm a child of God. Stop. 
No. We need to speak peace. We need to speak reconciliation. We need to take the road that Jesus rode as humility. And even if I wasn't totally at fault, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to say, forgive me. I'm going to say, let's bring, let's make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Like Ephesians says, let us encourage love and good deeds and love and good deeds flourish in an atmosphere of unity. You got to be careful of the person who's talking division, who talks rebellion, who murmur and complain like the Israelites in the desert. Listen, they didn't enter the promised land, and we won't enter either. If that's our way, murmur, division, discord. The Bible says it in many different places. We need to work towards unity, to be one in the spirit of one accord for the glory of the Father. Your unity, our unity speaks volumes to an unsaved world. Hallelujah. I read one of our missionaries in Africa. He writes and he says, unity in the body of Christ in Africa is very crucial for a good witness because their culture over there is how am I going to get better than my neighbor? How can I get this to them? How can I do that to them? It's always their rights. This is what the missionary says in his writings. He says unity speaks volumes. The same here with us. Unity speaks volumes. It's so important that the Bible teaches in John 17 that unity among believers is a great witness to the world. Jesus says in John 17, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will see that you sent me. <gasps> unity. Let's the world know that God sent Jesus. And what else do we want them to know? That Jesus came for us. Hallelujah. So let us spur each other on in love and good deeds. And that flourishes in the atmosphere of unity. How can we spur each other on? We can encourage reconciliation and forgiveness. Our speech. I, I sincerely believe that a lot of good things don't happen because we don't talk right. We don't express ourselves right. Our words are very important. Our words are registered. Our words are important. I remember um, teaching the children one time, and, they, and I said, and I gave them a plate and a tube of toothpaste, right? And I had like a $20 bill. And they were like all interested at that point. Ooh, she got a $20 bill. So I said, we're going to do a competition. Let's see how many people can squeeze the tube of toothpaste out into the plate squeezing 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 and they're like oh we did it first great this twenty dollars is for the person that get that can get the toothpaste back in the tube <laughs> not possible not possible and i told them that's how your words are when they leave your mouth there's no taking them back that's how our words are. We need to have, we need to encourage reconciliation and for forgiveness. Our vocabulary needs to be full of words like grace, mercy, patience, love, forgiveness. All those things that God gives us. Hallelujah. Let us then. Let us, number three, let me turn around. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Hallelujah. 
the fourth let us. Let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The Greek word translated here for give up speaks of desertion and abandonment. Let's not abandon or desert each other in this walk. How many of you know that we need each other? I can't do it by myself. I need you to come and give me a hug and, and smile and say, even with our, when we had our masks on, we would give even that, that elbow bump, that's fine. I'll take it. The fist bump, that's fine. You want to hug me? That's even better. <laughs> right? That's okay. But we cannot abandon each other in this walk. It is so wonderful to worship, to pray, to praise, to serve. We journey together. I thank God for you because we, he put us in this place at this time in this church in Queens in New York City that has an abundance of many, many, many places, other places that we can be. But God, in his sovereignty, put us together. We can journey together. Praise the Lord. The people that you're like, their blessings and those that you're like, oh my goodness, Lord. Listen, they're, they're serving a purpose in your life. <laughs> Be loving, be patient. Say, God, what are, you, what are you teaching me? Some people say, I don't need the church. I don't need the congregation. As we have learned coming out of the pandemic, worshiping separately is not the same as worshiping together, right? Being in the presence, the psalm speaks a lot about being in the assembly. King David loved to be in the assembly. King David loved to proclaim the promises of God in the assembly. There is a special power. There's a special unity. There's a special love when we are in the assembly. Hallelujah. When we are in this assembly, let's not abandon that. Let's not walk away from that. Will conflict arise? Yes. Answer. Will conflict arise? Are your feelings going to be hurt? Yes. Yes. That's okay. That happens in family. Tell me it don't happen in your family. Don't lie now. <laughs> that happens. Conflicts arise. Hurt feelings arise. But we're human. What does Pastor Carlos say all the time? We are a people. But we are an imperfect people serving a perfect God right we're imperfect we're gonna hurt each other's feelings we're gonna talk more than we should we're gonna be a little extra at times but the scripture tells us how we can work through these situations let's live it out let's continue to worship let's forgive let's ask for forgiveness let's pray let's praise let's serve let's work let's complete the mission given us to us in this place for this time for the glory of the father what God does, he always does in community. He never does alone. It's always in community. Jesus had his 12. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are community, the triune God. Together, let's seek God's face and be blessed as his people together. How many say amen? The last to conclude letter statement. It says, let us, I love this one. Let us encourage one another. Oh my God, it's such a blessing to encourage and to be encouraged. Isn't that awesome? To encourage and to be encouraged. Um, William Arthur Ward wrote this. He said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But encourage me and I will not forget you. Isn't that awesome? 
Let us encourage. We need to be encouraging to one another. Listen, when we go to our jobs Monday morning, you're going to hear so much negative, right? So much this, so much negative, so much garbage that people speak. So, listen, it's here. Let us encourage each other here. Let us, um, it is awesome to have cheerleaders in your life. I want to be your cheerleader. I want you to be my cheerleader. We need to encourage each other. My parents have always been my cheerleaders. My husband, he's my cheerleader, especially my dad, because he taught us to say, he says, never say I can't. Always say I can, whether it's riding a bike, whether it's swimming, taking a test, speaking in front of people. I still thrive on the encouragement of, um, of my parents. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you have influence over anybody else's life, listen, encourage them. There's time for correction, I understand. But for every correction you give, give three encouragements. That's what they tell us as teachers. <laughs> when you want to discipline the student, discipline them, but find three other things to praise them on. For every correction or discipline you have to give, multiply that also in encouragement. You never get too old to be encouraged. Romans 12 states, and this, this is godly, because Romans 12 states and lists the gifts of grace. And encouragement is listed among the gifts. 12.8 says, if your gift is encouraging, let him encourage. It's a gift of the Spirit. That's how crucial it is. One of my favorite life verses, Ephesians 4:29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building of others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. It's not a suggestion. You know that negative person in your life. Don't point them out. Don't say their name, but you know who they are. They say, oh my God, did you see Becky, pa Becky preach? They've been like, yeah, but did you see those shoes she was wearing? Oh my God. <laughs> Everything. God moved, in the, God moved in the spirit. I know, but why do they have to have that music so loud? Not that you don't, guys. It's just an, it's just an example. That negative person. Listen, are things always perfect? No. But find the positive. Speak the good. Encourage one another. Say you can do it. Listen, this is our walk with each other. We'll walk, we'll take a few steps. I might take three forward and one backwards. Okay. You're there to take my hand and say, Becky, come on, I'm going to take your hand. Let's take four steps forward. Next time I may take three back. All right, don't worry, Becky, I got your hand. Let's go, get up. We're going to walk together six more steps. We do six forward, one back, ten forward, two back. But we have to keep moving together. Hallelujah. The original readers of this epistle, of this passage, they were worried. They were tempted to look back. They wanted to revert to their old ways. And the author wrote, saying, don't be discouraged. Don't look back. We have a new and living way. Hallelujah. Times change. Circumstances change. Things change. But God's word remains unchanging. 
how do we navigate these waters in which we live how do we live during these days so much bad news all the shootings all the hatred all the divide all the politics all the sickness all the people walking around chained up how do we live listen we don't live like the unbelievers that's for sure we don't live like the unbelievers, that's for sure, who walk around always discouraged, hopeless, faithless, lost, self-centered, blind, and in rebellion. Thanks to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we have a new and living way. The way is there. Like Pastor Carlos said before, we have to embrace it. This doesn't happen automatically. It takes time. It takes this. go to the scripture. Look at the scripture. Read the scripture. Pray over the scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit to make it alive in my life. I need to change. I want to, I want to live these let us statements. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us encourage one another. If you've been discouraged or you're confused about the days you're living, if you need a plan how to go forward, if you're stuck in your relationship with God, stuck in your relationship with someone else, dedicate yourself to these let us statements and ask the Holy Spirit, how can I improve? Give me the power that I need to make intentional change as I walk and live this new and living way. Why is it important? What does the Bible say in, verse, in the last verse there, verse 25? How does it finish, verse 25? Look at your Bible. How does it say? What's that last sentence? And all the more as you see what? The day approaching. Listen, Christ is coming. Jesus Christ is coming for his church. He's coming for a pure church without blemish without stain and there's only one way we can get clean living in his new and living way obeying because God ain't giving no free passes on that day God ain't gonna say Becky thank you for preaching that day that was great but if I'm not living what I preach forget about it the day is approaching the day approaching and just as he's united us to journey here on earth I want to celebrate in heaven in eternity with each and every one of you I hope to see you there and I hope you want to see me there too <laughs> together let us live this new and living way let us stand to our feet hallelujah and I pray and I pray the Holy Spirit do a good work in your life today I pray that as, as we make this prayer, the altar is open. The musicians are going to come for, forth, the worship team. And I want you to just sincerely ask the Lord. Now be specific. It's not a time to pray for nothing else. It's a time to say, Lord, these five letter statements. Where, what, what do I need to do? I, I need to know. I need to know. And I need to know today, God. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. 
because I'm committed. I'm committed to live this, even though it costs me my comfort, even though it costs me my pride, even though it costs me because the day of the Lord is approaching. And until that time, I want to be a light in the darkness. Change my words, God. Change my speech, Lord. Help me. Teach me. How many know that we can change? How many of the Holy Spirit can change us? It doesn't matter how you were raised or the background you had. Or maybe your parents never gave you an encouragement. We don't have to be the same. We have a new and living way. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us. So as we pray and the worshipers sing, consider coming forward and asking God sincerely, Lord, where, where do I need to grow? We can all grow in all, in all of this. Each and every one of us. But if the, the Spirit is dropping something in your heart, He's talking at the, knocking at the door of your heart. Just give it to Him. Give it to Him. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your presence in the name of Jesus, thanking you for your word this morning. Thanking you because your word fulfills and accomplishes its purpose in which you send it forward. I thank you, Lord God, because you instruct us. You teach us how. Father God, that, that we, Lord God, would have the wherewithal to hear, to respond, and to say, Lord, I need you. I want to be a light in this world. I want your blessings, but I want to bless others. Father God, that I may be a light. That when I enter the room, the atmosphere would change, Lord God. Because you are with me. Because we're living a new and living way, Father God. Prepared through, for us through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For your body torn in two. The blood shed on Calvary forgave us of our sins thank you thank you for this new and living way we don't have to live in despair we don't have to live in anger we don't have to live in hatred or resentment lord we have a new and living way in you christ thank you father for your great mercy your great love that we would hold on unswervingly unswervingly lord god make us soldiers lord god help us persevere to hold on hold on to the hope that we profess because you are faithful and we Lord God will make your name great in the world we pray in Jesus name amen and amen praise the Lord thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon we pray it blesses and encourages your life 